Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Hi. Ahoy. Sorry for the extra week off. Moving the storage unit was extensive. So we moved to Nebraska like back in October and we left a bunch of stuff in our storage unit because we were moving into an apartment temporarily and we finally now in June decided to go get the rest of our stuff. It took forever and we ended up staying the night there which we didn't plan and I was just like I need a week off this is crazy okay enough of life stuff you probably don't care about today we're covering one of us is lying by Karen M McManus chapters one through nine pages one through 104 this book is like actually broken into parts so this is all part one and there's three parts this book was recommended by Sarah she's awesome And I'm really excited to cover this and see what she thinks about it. She's one of our crewmates. I've read this book before. So I actually, this was like the last book I read before I started Jolly Reader. And it was like partially the inspiration of doing a podcast like this. So that being said, I'm going to avoid spoilers and my lingering questions will be minimum. And I'm just trying to throw out like obvious theories and things that you're supposed to pick up with, but I'm not going to go like too far ahead because I still want everyone to enjoy it like they've never read it. Okay, so each chapter or section of a chapter is narrated by a different character. So we have Bronwyn, who for no reason in particular, I call Brawny like the paper towel brand in my head. So we'll see how that works out. Cooper, Addie, and Nate. Those are our four narrators. Okay, we're just going to like go into it. So things to look forward Two, a death, a breakup, lots of rumors, a conspiracy theory, and dysfunction junction slash relationship, but that doesn't rhyme. Okay, part one is called Simon Says. Chapter one, Bronwyn, Monday, September 24th, 2.55 p.m. By the way, I totally started keeping a calendar because we always get mixed up on dates, so I just like started writing them out. Okay, the very first line of the book is a sex tape, a pregnancy scare, and two cheating scandals. First of all, that sounds like that could be one person. That doesn't even have to be three different people. Anyways, so (laughs) this is random, but this is the week's update on Simon's Bayview High gossip app called About That, which I probably will end up calling all that, like the TV show from the 90s. Anyways, Simon sees Bronwyn reading About That on her phone. They're just like at school. And she's annoyed because he basically calls it a public service to put these rumors out there. He explains that people just like bring this upon themselves and if they didn't like it, they shouldn't cheat or lie or whatever because then he wouldn't have anything to write about, which valid point. Bronwyn explains to us, the reader, there's like a lot of information the reader gets that isn't necessarily said out loud because we're hearing from Bronwyn's perspective. So it's like her inner dialogue. So anyways... She explains to us that she's supposed to be at mathlete practice, but is missing it. And the guy she likes, Evan, is going to be at practice. So she's pretty bummed out. Like her friends are texting her, Evan's here. Whatever. That's short-lived. So she and Simon both walk into detention. And he is reasonably shocked because Bronwyn's like this straight-A student. And she's straight-laced. And she like would never get detention. So she explains to us that she was wrongfully accused of bringing a phone into Mr. Avery's class. Mr. Avery's like this old school science teacher and he's not having it all. He has like a strict no phone policy and he goes through everyone's backpacks before class. 
It seems super extensive, and I don't think teachers are allowed to go through students' backpacks at all, but I guess I'll follow along for, like, plot purposes. I did student teaching for a year. I can't imagine going through a kid's backpack. I feel like that was, like, a big, big no-no. Anyways, Bronwyn holds up her real phone and is like, see, this is my phone, and the one you confiscated that's still in your desk currently isn't mine. I was framed. Perfect logical sense. I follow. He in turn, takes her real phone too and doesn't believe her. (laughs) And she's like, who has two phones? And the quote-unquote troublemaker, Nate, just like smirks at this comment. We'll get into that later. But there's rumors that he's on probation for a DUI or drug dealing, but like not confirmed. And he's pretty much always in detention. Addie is like the blonde preppy type She speaks up and says that the phone taken from her wasn't hers either. And then Cooper, the quote-unquote jock, says that, like, the same thing. There was a phone that wasn't his in his backpack. He's upset because he's missing baseball practice. Simon then says that somebody, he's like, somebody punked us. Because I guess, I don't feel like it's, like, specifically said, but I think it's assumed that Simon also had a phone in his backpack that wasn't his. So... Simon casually accuses Nate of trapping a bunch of students with mostly spotless records in detention. Bronwyn thinks that planning phones would be too much work for Nate. Like, what's his motive? And he doesn't work very hard, so that would be a lot to plant phones in these four specific people's backpacks and then hope they get caught. Like, I don't know. I agree with her on that. So anyways, Mr. Avery's over it, like all this talking and whatever. And he's like, tough luck, as my daughter loves to say. And he instructs them to handwrite an essay about how technology is ruining American high schools, which legit made me laugh because my husband, as you know, works in IT and Allie's going to have a tablet while she's in school. Like technology is crazy these days. Okay, so this is in the same chapter, but we're switching over to Cooper narrating. So Cooper, Monday, September 24th, 3.05 p.m. Cooper starts by describing his dad as a very narrow-minded and, like, set-in-his-own-ways kind of guy, and he really wants Cooper to become a baseball star. Cooper, oh, gosh, I really don't like this. So, Cooper's dad has him write with his right hand, even though Cooper is left-handed, because his left hand is gold. Cooper's, like, a pitcher. He pitches left-handed. Anyways, like, writing's not going to ruin that. He also calls him, the dad calls him Cooperstown, like the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't know. The whole thing's like real icky, but whatever. So Simon's looking for, this is like back in detention. Simon's looking for his water bottle in his backpack and can't find it. Mr. Avery tells him to grab a cup and get a drink from the back sink because they're in like a science lab. While he's back there, Simon asks Nate if he put the spare phones in everyone's backpacks. Nate's like, why would I do that? Simon says, Simon says, that's really awkward. Okay, so Simon says to have company for whatever screw up you had today. And Mr. Avery tells them to be quiet. They all hear a loud crash outside and two cars, an old red one and a gray nondescript one, smash into each other at a right angle in the school parking lot. Mr. Avery goes down to make sure the people involved are okay. I know this seems really dry. We're getting there. We're just kind of moving along the plot. Okay, so while Mr. Avery's gone, here we go. Teacher's gone. Let's do it. Simon asks if anyone else wants a drink, and Addie's like, I do. And Simon's like, get it yourself, princess. Rude. And why? I don't... Why would she expect him to go get her a drink, though? It's super weird. So anyways. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Simon keeps goading her for no apparent reason. 
Cooper mentions to us that Simon was on the homecoming court, but probably only because he paid for votes by keeping secrets. So, like, Simon and Addie were on homecoming court together at some point. That doesn't, like, necessarily come up later, but it is mentioned a couple times. Okay, so Cooper stands up to Simon for Addie, and Simon points out that Addie is a princess, Cooper is a jock, Bronwyn's a brain, and Nate's a criminal, which I already, like, pretty much said. And they're all walking teen movie stereotypes. So I think Addie, I don't remember who says this, but they ask what Simon is then. And he says that he's the all-seeing narrator. And Bronwyn, oh, so she must have asked, but she's like, there's no such thing in teen movies. And Simon just like winks at her and says in a threatening kind of way, there is such a thing in life because he writes the app or whatever. Cooper mentions to us that he's freaked out about what Simon could write about him. And then things are about to get crazy. So Simon drinks his water and he's like, this tastes like crap. And then he like falls to the floor and starts wheezing and convulsing. And Nate rushes to him and asks Simon like, where's your pen? Where's your pen? And then Cooper tries to hand Nate like an actual pen. Nate's like, no, an EpiPen. Like Simon's having an allergic reaction. Like, in Cooper's narration, he's like, I thought Nate was going to do, like, an emergency tracheotomy or something, which is so funny. Okay, so anyways, Bronwyn goes to find a teacher and call 911, and Addie is standing there pretty helplessly. She's just, like, freaking out. Everyone reacts differently, but, like, at least try to help the person that's, like, suffocating. So anyways, Nate empties Simon's backpack and doesn't find the pen, and he just, like, keeps, like do you keep it on you is it in your locker but simon can't talk obviously his throat's closing nate searches simon's pants pockets desperately trying to find the EpiPen. and then mr avery and two other teachers like race into the room mr avery's like cooper go to the nurse's office there's a cabinet clearly labeled with extra EpiPens, which is like i don't know kind of hard to believe for me because those things are freaking expensive and they expire after six months but like maybe though i guess it's like kind of a rich school though whatever so cooper runs to the nurse's office and he finds the cabinet but it's empty so he like opens the drawers and is like looking all over there's no EpiPens. so another teacher comes in to help him look and tells cooper to go back to tell mr avery like there's no EpiPens in the nurse's office so as he's running back to the room he starts sees the paramedics go into the room and they give simon a shot i'm assuming like an epi shot or whatever and they take him away and ask mr avery to come with them to the hospital obviously and then Addie is like is he okay now and nate's like i'm gonna go out on a limb and say no <laughs> nate's my spirit animal okay chapter two Addie, monday september 24th 3 25 p.m Addie's very unlikable at this point just my personal opinion she's really whiny Ugh. okay just here we go so she's like i need jake jake is her boyfriend He's a trash monster. Several other characters have already described that they're like inseparable in an unhealthy way. Later in the story, but like this is where it fits in best, her older sister jokes that Addie is a barnacle that would die without its host. Ugh. So she calls him. And there's this whole thing about we usually text, so calling's really weird. Whatever. Ugh. We used to have to pay for texting and there's no internet on our phones, okay? I'm not that old, but I can still call someone on the phone. Anyways, she calls him. He picks up, baby, don't even get me started with that term. Like, I literally don't like that pet name at all. One, it's like very condescending. Like, she's not a baby. She is just as old as you. Like, 
Don't put her in that form. I don't know. Use her name. Ugh, I don't know. I just really don't like it. Sorry. I'm like triggered by that for no apparent reason. He's just gross. And then he uses a term that I don't particularly like. Okay. No judgment. Call your girl baby if she likes it, but I don't like it. <laughs> Captain Book has spoken. I'm just kidding. Okay. So, uh, okay. Addie starts crying uncontrollably. So, Cooper takes a phone and explains the situation, like what happened in detention, and Addie needs to get picked up. Teachers tell everyone they can go home, and if like there's any further questions, they'll be contacted, whatever. So, Addie makes a comment that none of the female teachers can resist Cooper's all-American charm, but like, why? Like, in young adult novels, you do not require the teachers to be pedophiles. This never comes around. Like, nothing happens between Cooper and a teacher. But, like, why in every book they find their students attractive? Like, that is not normal. That does not happen in normal schools. Okay? Like, stop it. It's gross. (sighs) I feel like I'm still triggered from the cheerleaders. Okay. The teachers also put aside the cup that Simon was drinking, like, just in case. And it's common knowledge that Simon had a pretty severe, apparently, peanut allergy. And they think it could have been delayed reaction from something from lunch. Now, like, I don't know. But, like, is that a thing for it to be that delayed? This should be the end of the day. And for it to be, like, that severe? Because I have a shellfish allergy. And it takes, like, a lot less time the more it happens. So, like, the first time it happened, I had dinner and then I woke up in the middle of the night and I was having a reaction. But now, like, I've accidentally, like, contamination at restaurants or whatever, have had reactions a couple times, several times, and now it's, like, 20 minutes after I eat. So, I don't know. No. Basically is what I'm saying. So, anyways, Addie mentions that Jake wouldn't like any other guy to have their arm around her, but Cooper's okay because they're besties, like, Cooper and Jake are besties, and Cooper is a gentleman. Okay. Controlling. Also, Cooper is dating Addie's bestie, Keely. I really don't like her name because I want to say like Kelly or Kylie, but it's Keely. Anyways, luckily she's not a main character. Okay, big who cares to all this, but long story short, Addie and Jake do not have a healthy relationship in my correct opinion. <laughs> so Addie talks about how she met Jake freshman year and he wasn't even as hot as he was now and she just knew he was the one. I roll from me. So then um, let's see here. Jake takes her home and her mother's already in the driveway waiting to talk to Addie because she already like heard through the grapevine what happened. Addie doesn't want to talk to her mom or her boyfriend, her mom's boyfriend, about it. Okay, so she describes her mom's boyfriend. He's 12 years younger than the mom, which is five years younger than her second husband and 15 years younger than Addie's dad. Wow. So her mom has always thought that Jake was too good for Addie and basically Addie describes herself as always the runner-up like homecoming princess not homecoming queen or whatever. She also notes that her sister is in a failing marriage and something about the girls in her family just like can't get a guy to stick. There's more to life than getting a guy to stick quote-unquote like dude. So Jake says oh I like I don't know I don't really like this either but he's like tells the mom he's like I'm gonna get Addie settled in her room and then I'll come talk to you okay like get her settled like he treats her like a child i super hate it so anyways addy feels bad because of how well everyone else in the room reacted and she was useless accurate jake tells her not to talk like that because he always sees the best in her blah 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 she doesn't know what she would do if he stopped believing in her well you're about to find out honey (laughs) nate monday september 24th 4 p.m so this is like after 
detention or whatever. Him and Bronwyn are sitting outside in the parking lot and Nate offers her a ride home on his motorcycle. But she's like, nah, that's a freaking death trap. Like, no. So he pulls out a flask, though he doesn't drink much, and offers it to her. She's like, eh, what the hell? Which is really out of normal for her. But they just went through this super traumatic situation, so whatever. Nate tells us that he's known Bronwyn since kindergarten, but they aren't friends or anything. They went to Catholic school together for a while until things quote-unquote went to hell, which we find out later. Bronwyn is drinking pretty heavily and is a lightweight, so (laughs) she's drunk. She says she wanted to say something at the time. She just like blurts this out. I wanted to say something at the time. I'm really sorry about your mom. I had an uncle who died in a car accident too around the same time. So it's like really not a script what happened to his mom. But you assume she died in a car accident as well. So Nate doesn't want to talk about it, but it's nice about it and just kind of like changes the subject. They kind of talk about what happened during detention and then he offers her a ride home again and she says yes this time because she's a little tipsy tips. So he gives her his only helmet and drives her home to what he describes as the rich part of town. And Nate mentions to us that him and Bronwyn are two things that very much do not go together. Also, there are a few comments about how he thinks she's attractive, but also exhausting. Like, she's worried about everything and is always doing a million extracurriculars. Cooper also makes a comment that, like, Bronwyn's looking better this year, earlier in his section. Anyways, they get to her house and her phone rings. And she talks for a minute and then she says to Nate, he's gone. Simon is dead. Dun, dun, dun. Chapter three, Bronwyn, Tuesday, September 25th, 8.50 a.m. It's the next day, clearly, and Bronwyn is pretty shook up by the death, obviously. It notes that her sister Maeve, who I'm pretty sure is the main character of the next book, it's like a sequel, One of Us is Next, which I haven't read. It just talks about her, she exists. And then Bronwyn has two best friends, Yumiko and Kate. They come up, whatever. Bronwyn goes to homeroom and the teacher announces Simon's death. Bronwyn reads the last entry on about that before he died. I'm going to read now, page 27 and 28. Our favorite stoner drummer trying his hand at film. RC's installed a camera in the light fixture in his bedroom and he's been holding premieres for all his friends. You've been warned, girls. Too late for KL, though. Everyone's seen the flirting between manic pixie dream girl TC and new rich boy gr but who knew it might be something more apparently not her boyfriend who sat oblivious in the bleachers at saturday's game while t and g got hot and heavy right underneath him sorry jd always the last to know okay so that's just like an example of the kind of stuff that simon writes in his thing so it's like pretty obvious we don't know any of them but it's pretty obvious who is like participating or who's part of the rumor. We learned that Simon made about that sophomore year and all his information is true yet not confirmed. And he's very picky about informants and what he posts. Bronwyn has never been featured. And she says to us, there's only one thing he would even be able to post about, but she doesn't say what it is. Bronwyn's homeroom teacher informs her that all the students in attention yesterday will be receiving one-on-one counseling. Bronwyn heads to her next class where Evan, her crush, stops her. He asks her if she got his text last night, which was, need anything, want some company, which, note, he has never texted her before, so that's just icky. Bronwyn tells him she was tired, but thanks for reaching out, basically. And she doesn't even know 
why she was interested in him in the first place. Like, girl, I agree. She's it's already faded out. Anyways, Bronwyn basically says she just thought that they were they would be a smart match until they went their separate ways at different colleges. Whatever. That ship sailed. She's crushing on Nate, dude. Okay. So continuing down the hall, she says hi to Nate, who isn't looking too bad to her these days. This abrupt high startles them both, and she asks him if he heard about his counseling schedule or whatever, but he doesn't know what she's talking about. He just got to school. As Bronwyn walks away with her friends, they're saying some pretty mean stuff about him. Yumiko's like, it looks like he just woke up and not alone. And Kate adds, he's a total man whore. And then Bronwyn's like, that term is sexist, and you should at least use the general neutral term about it. (laughs) Katie says whatever he's a walking std it's kind of rude i don't know he confirms that he sleeps around but like it's a bit extensive okay so anyways bronwyn gets to her counselor's office and he tells her that she got a recommendation from the model un and she can put in on her yale application and like yale's a family tradition isn't it always and she feels like she has to go there calm down rory gilmore like it'll be okay then he asks if Bronwyn would like to tutor chemistry because some juniors are struggling like she did last year. And she just like smiles and is like, uh, my plate's already a little too full, but thanks. And she's being super awkward about it. And it's explained to us that she had a D average at midterm and it's the only time she ever struggled with a class and she felt Yale slipping away. And she brought her grade up to an A by the end of the semester. And then like to us, she says, I'm pretty sure nobody wants me sharing my strategies with the other students. Cooper, Thursday, September 27th, 12.45 p.m. Cooper talks briefly about his girlfriend, Keely. He describes her as the most beautiful girl in school by a long shot, but it's not like he's boasting. It's more like a factual point. Like, if you ask anyone, they would say the same thing. So Cooper and the other detention goers get called down to the principal's office, and Officer Hank is there to ask some more questions. Okay, so Officer Hank informs them that the autopsy came back for Simon, and Simon ingested a large dose of peanut oil shortly before his death. Also, there were trace amounts of peanut oil on the cup Simon drank from. This is strange, obviously, because Simon was adamant about staying away from peanuts. Duh. Hank asks about the cup. Cooper tells him that Simon got it from the back of the room and nothing seemed unusual about it. Bronwyn chimes in that before Simon drank, he asked if Nate put the phones in their backpacks. This is the first time the principal had heard about the cell phones, but Officer Hank's not surprised. This is like all stuff we already know. Officer Hank asks if they had been on the About That app, and they all say no, except for Nate, who's like loads of times. Mostly for hooking up, but like, I don't really care. Officer Hank asks if there was anything the other three were worried about Simon finding out and posting about, and Cooper says no, but... It doesn't come out as confident as he had hoped. Addie has gone pale and Bronwyn is brick red. Nate says to us, or no, I think he says this out loud. Everybody's got secrets. Whose section is this? Cooper's? Yeah, that's what. Okay, so Nate just says that out loud. Cooper later mentions that the officer kept asking him about the EpiPens missing from the nurse's office, like basically implying that Cooper could have taken them before the teacher showed up. But Cooper's like, yeah, didn't do that. So Cooper talks about how his fastball improved by five miles an hour over the summer and he's being scouted by colleges and the mlb but he wants to go to college first but his dad's like not about that life also his grandmother lives with them and they all moved here which i believe is california 
from Mississippi, so Cooper can play baseball year-round, etc. Keely, this is like later, he's at his house. Keely shows up out of the blue. Cooper's like kind of annoyed, but she brings his favorite candy, which is Red Vines. Red Vines? Really? We're a Twizzlers fam. Love to hear what you are because Red Vines are disgusting. Sorry, not sorry. So Keely is the best, pretty much, he says. And anyone would consider themselves lucky to date her. As she's talking to her parents, Cooper gets a text and we're going to read him. Page 40. He's very happy about these texts, by the way. So the text says, hey, handsome. And Cooper says, hey. And this person says, can I see you tonight? And Cooper's like, bad time. Call you later. Okay. Miss you. And he's like smiling and whatever. Like Cooper's like really likes this. And he's like, miss you too. Dot, dot, dot. Chapter four. Addie, Thursday, September 27th, 7.30 p.m. Ick is my first note. Okay. So Addie is self-deprecating about how she isn't good enough or as pretty as Keely. And then she brings up how Simon was always wanting to be a part of their popular group, but it never worked out. And he has this one kind of goth friend, Janae. And she comes around later. I always forget her name, though. Before Keely... Got with Cooper, she made out drunkenly with Simon at a party, apparently, and hasn't been able to shake Simon since. Shook now. Shook to the grave. So she says, Addie says, that she thinks that Simon made the About That app to impress Jake. And they were friends in grade school. And Jake, when Jake became a jock, they like kind of stopped talking. But Simon revealed that Jake's football rival was part of a sexting harassment thing. Normal. Totally normal, you guys. This happens every day. These books get crazy. So then Simon started the app and started posting more petty and personal things. Jake always defended Simon because what he was saying was true and people shouldn't do sneaky things, which is literally the only thing I will ever agree with with Jake. So Jake comes over to Addie's house and says Simon's mom wants him to be a pallbearer at the funeral, which he says yes to, obviously. Then he asks if they're still going to the beach party tomorrow. And Addie is like saying to us, it isn't really a question because Jake is in charge of their social life. Ick, number one. Then she's like, who's all going? And in her head, for a reason unknown to us, she says, please don't say TJ. Please don't say TJ. And he's like, TJ. (laughs) And she's annoyed that this new kid has made his way into their group right when she wants to be rid of him. Still unexplained. So then Addie's mom and boyfriend are going out clubbing because he's 30 and he's still into that. And I am deceased because I literally just turned 30 like a week ago. I didn't go to the club. I had a pool party at my house. Like, uh, no judgment. I have friends that are 30 that go clubbing. Not, not my scene. I'd much rather be reading books, ironically enough. Anyways, the parents or whatever you want to call them leave. And Jake literally starts trying to get into Addie's pants immediately. Ick number two. So she talks about the first time they had sex and everyone thinks that they started hooking up freshman year, but that's not true. Really, Jake planned this whole special hotel candles thing, including a Victoria's Secret lingerie he picked out for her to wear after junior prom. Ick number three. They're 16. He should not be forcing her to wear lingerie. And I know he didn't force her, but like, ugh, it's just icky. Like, wear this for me. Like, gosh, you're seeing her naked. That should be good enough for you, you hormonal jerk. So anyways, back to present day. They're making out. And he's like, is this okay, baby? And I was, oh, I have a comment that says, don't get too excited thinking he's a nice guy asking if she's okay. 
So Addie says to us, I never turned down Jake. Ick at number four and five. Then she says, my mother says, if you'd say no too much, pretty soon someone else will say yes. All the icks I have left towards that because that's disgusting and not true. Addie basically says it is more than fine to like hook up and she wants it because she desires the closeness with Jake. Codependent much. That was so icky. I like need to go take a shower. You don't have to have sex with someone to make sure they don't cheat on you. Okay, period. Nate, Thursday, September 27th, 8 p.m. We get backstory for Nate. So he lives in this like low class part of town in this rundown house. His dad is like a super duper alcoholic and he lives off a worker's comp and disability from falling off a roof when he was still like a functioning alcoholic. And now he's just like passed out all the time. It isn't a lot of money. So Nate sells pills on the side to like get the stuff he wants, take care of his motorcycle and stuff. He got caught selling weed over the summer and is now on probation. So Nate's mom walked out on them when Nate was 14. Last he heard, she was living on a commune and wanted to take Nate with her, but she never showed up to pick him up. She's bipolar and doesn't take her meds. But then on top of it, she got into cocaine, which really messed her up. Also, like side note, Nate has a bearded dragon named Stan, short for Stan Lee. And (laughs) that's just like so random, but I got to love the animals. So then Nate says that his mom always liked Bronwyn and in the fourth grade, they were in this nativity play and someone stole baby Jesus. Bronwyn was Mary and Bronwyn handled the situation and his mom was like, she doesn't take crap from anybody. Nate stole the baby Jesus just to mess with Bronwyn. So anyways, it's adorable. Then he talks about having multiple cell phones and that's why he was like, try not to laugh when Bronwyn said that in attention, like who has two cell phones. So he has three, one for people he knows, one for suppliers and one for customers. And then he says, a girl he met at a party texts you up, like the letter U and up. Like, at least put a smiley face or winky face or some effort. So he says he's on the fence about letting her come over because she already came over earlier in the week and hookups can get messy if you see them too much. I don't know. This is all news to me. So then Nate says, yeah, like I'm up. Just YA. Come on, you guys. Because he could use a distraction. So another text comes in from his friend Chad from school so there's like this tumblr page it's called about this that was just created like after the death and i'm gonna read it page 1551 okay just says i got the idea for killing simon while watching dateline i'd been thinking about it for a while obviously that's not the kind of thing you just pluck out of thin air but the how of getting away with it is always stop me i don't kid myself that i'm a criminal mastermind and i'm much too good looking for prison On the show, a guy killed his wife. Standard Dateline stuff, right? It's always the husband. But turns out lots of people were happy to see her gone. She's gotten a coworker fired, screwed over people on city council, and had an affair with a friend's husband. She was a nightmare, basically. The guy on Dateline wasn't too bright. Hired someone to murder his wife, and the cell phone records were easy to trace. But before those came out, he had a decent smokescreen because all the other suspects. That's the kind of person you can get away with killing, someone everyone else wants dead. Let's face it, everyone at Bayview High hated Simon. I was just the one with enough guts to do something about it. You're welcome. Like, freaking creepy, right? So Chad thinks this is like a hoax slash a joke, but Nate is more concerned considering what the officer said and how they think, like, it wasn't an accident and how the other three people were acting nervous, like Bronwyn, Cooper, and Addie. Chapter 5, Bronwyn, Friday, September 28th, 6.45 p.m., 
Bronwyn's hanging out with her sister Maeve and they're watching a retro show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was not retro when I was young. But anyways, Bronwyn explains that as a child, Maeve had leukemia, but she's been cancer free for two years. And at one point, Maeve was basically given her last rites and Bronwyn promised to do everything right if Maeve would be okay. So now Bronwyn does all the activities and is trying to get into Yale and stuff so Maeve doesn't overextend herself. So they're hanging out and Maeve notices out the window that Nate's bike is in the driveway. Maeve also makes a comment that Bronwyn had a crush on Nate in grade school. They liked each other, clearly. So anyways, Bronwyn goes out there and is like, what's up? (laughs) And Nate's like, I have no reason to be here. Okay. So she like invites him in. It's a super awkward whole thing. But it like comes up. Maeve says that like Bronwyn plays piano. So she sits down and plays piano for both Nate and Maeve. And... The music hits are different, blah, blah, blah. It's a whole thing. And he's like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. It's basically like character slash relationship development. Because like, spoiler alert, Nate and Bronny are going to like each other. Addie, Friday, September 28th, 7 p.m. Officer Hank is at Addie's house asking some questions. He points out that she was in the nurse's office the day of detention. And Addie's like, no, I wasn't. He's like, uh, there's records that you were there at one. And she's like, well, I don't remember. I go down there a lot for headaches. Anyways, he wants to know if she knows that EpiPens were missing, and Addie says she doesn't even know what an EpiPen looks like. So Addie's sister Ashton steps in as the parent role in the situation because her mom's useless, and the officer, like, leaves or whatever. Nothing really comes of that, and Ashton is talking to Addie. She basically admits that her marriage isn't going well, and Addie should be enjoying being 17, and Ashton's not really a fan of Jake. Me neither, girl. Who is? Just Addie. Gosh. Okay. Are you ready to like not like Jake some more? Jake's at the house to pick up Addie and her heart sinks when she sees TJ in the car. His car broke down so Jake insisted on giving him a ride to this like beach party. So when Addie comes out, she's in a sweatshirt and jeans and Jake's like, you're wearing that, babe? Ugh. So she goes back inside and changes because Jake doesn't like her in shapeless clothes. Okay. If you could see me right now, I'm not a shape. I'm a blob. Okay. Me and my jammers. <sighs> okay, so Addie puts on leggings, open-toed shoes, and a tight sweater. And Ashton's like, you're going to be freezing and you're not going to be able to walk in the sand in that. And she's like, was this Jake's idea? And Addie just like storms out. She's mad about it. So they get in the car and she hates every second of the car ride. But then she like kind of says to us, she's like, I shouldn't be mad at TJ because it isn't his fault. And then she tells us what happened. She got drunk a month after her big first time with Jake and slept with TJ. So Jake was out of town. There was like this beach thing. It explains it. So she says it was at the same beach they're going to now. And she initiated everything. And she was feeling insecure that Jake wasn't interested after they slept together for the first time. And then like at one point she laughed so hard that soda came out of her nose. And Jake would have been disgusted. But TJ wasn't or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. So they all get to the beach. And Jake's being like a super control freak. And he has to correct how the others are building a fire and runs off. So JT says to Addie's like this doesn't have to be like awkward I'm not gonna say anything we can just like pretend this didn't happen and Addie's like well maybe I can now that the school gossip's dead and like about that's like not a thing anymore chapter six Cooper Saturday September 29th 4 15 p.m Cooper has a baseball game and he does super duper well whatever I'll spare you the details he's approached by a scout for the Padres his name's Josh (laughs) Josh makes the comment, big jump in a short time, talking about like his fastball or whatever. It's basically implying doping. 
But Cooper's like, I just work hard. (laughs) So shortly after this, Cooper goes to Simon's memorial service at school and he runs into this girl named Leah. So she apparently tried to kill herself after she was harassed because Simon posted that she slept with a bunch of freshmen. And Cooper's talking to her and she's like, good riddance. All those students out there pretending like Simon, like he's some kind of martyr or all liars and fakes or whatever. Like, you won't see me out there, which is pretty awesome if that's how she feels. So anyways, Leah shows Cooper the newest Tumblr post, page 70 and 71. Time to clarify a few things. Simon had a severe peanut allergy, so why not stick a planters into his sandwich and be done with it? I've been watching Simon for months. Everything he ate was wrapped in an inch of cellophane. He carried that goddamn water bottle everywhere, and it was all he drank. But he couldn't go 10 minutes without swinging from the bottle. I figured if it wasn't there, he'd default to plain old tap water. So yeah, I took it. I spent a long time figuring out where I could slip peanut oil into one of Simon's drinks. Someplace contained, without a water fountain. Mr. Avery's detention seemed like the ideal spot. I did feel bad watching Simon die. I'm not a sociopath. In that moment, as he turned that horrible color and fought for air, if I could have stopped it, I would have. I couldn't though, because you see, I'd taken the EpiPens and every last one in the nurse's office. Dun, dun, dun. Nate, Sunday, September 30th, 12.30 p.m. Nate is meeting with his probation officer, Officer Lopez. She's cool, laid back, let's pass like a bunch of the stuff because she sees potential in Nate, whatever, whatever. So when she comes over, Nate hides all his drugs and phones and stuff in his neighbor's shed. And he talks about, to us, going to Bronwyn's house. And he said that he showed up there because he was thinking about trying some pills, but he knew that was a bad road to go down. So he ended up at her house instead. So back to the meeting. Officer Lopez says she's going to escort Nate to Simon's funeral because it'll be good for him. At the funeral, Nate can tell there's a lot of undercover cops and they are watching him and the others, like the other people that were in detention that day. And that goth girl, whose name I can't remember right now is what my notes say, reads the poem, Song of Myself. It's just like kind of weird, whatever. As the funeral procession comes through, an undercover officer sits down next to Nate and is like, do you have a few minutes, son? So we're about to get into it. Everyone's going to get like official interviews now. Chapter 7, Addie, Sunday, September 30th, 2.05 p.m. Addie is approached by an officer at the funeral and asked if they can talk at the station. (laughs) The officer wants to clarify a few things. Jake says, that's fine, which pretty much settles it. He's just like, cool, bye. And Addie's like, okay, I guess. So she thinks that this is what her sister Ash meant by thinking for yourself. Well, duh, Lord. Okay. The officer's like, you don't have to answer any questions. You're free to leave at any time. But like, I guess in the state of California, they can interview minors if there is like adult present. So they have like some sort of child protective services person in there or something. I don't know. Whatever. The detective says of all the kids involved, Addie is the most likely to have gotten in over her head with no ill intent. The officer lets Addie read what's queued up on about that was supposed to go out the day Simon died. Read pages 81 and 82. First time this app has ever featured good girl BR. This is Bronwyn, possessor of school's most perfect academic record. Except she didn't get that A in chemistry through plain old hard work, unless that's how you define stealing tests from Mr. C's Google Drive. Someone call Yale. On the opposite end of the spectrum, our favorite criminal, NM, that's Nate, back to doing what he does best, making sure the entire school is as high as, as it wants to be. Pretty sure that's a probation violation there, N. MLB plus CC, that's Cooper, equals a whole lot of green next June, right? 
seems inevitable Bayview's Southpaw will make a splash in the major leagues, but don't they have some pretty strict anti-juicing rules? Because CC's performance was most definitely enhanced during showcase season. AP and JR, so that's Addie and Jake, are the perfect couple, homecoming princess and star running back in love for three years straight, except for that intimate detour A took over the summer with TF at the beach house. Even more awkward now that the guys are friends. Think they compare notes? Ick. That's really gross. So, Dumb Dumb Addy's like, oh my god, Jake knows my life's ruined. And it's like, the officer's like, it has not been posted yet. And you should be more worried that I'm accusing you of a murder. So anyways, the officer's like, I understand the pressures of being a teen and social media. And if you tell me what happened, how the peanut oil got into Simon's cup, I can help you. And she also asks why Addy lied about being in the nurse's office. And she's like, is it because you took the pins? And Addie finally realizes she can leave, so she does. And she doesn't know who to go to because she has no real friends or life outside of Jake. So she calls her sister Ash and is like, I need help. I should feel bad for her, but I really don't. She's so freaking annoying. Cooper, Sunday, September 30th, 2.30 p.m. Cooper reads the same post Addie did, and he's surprised by Bronwyn, but not by Nate's, and he had no idea who Addie supposedly hooked up with. Wow, you living on a rock there, Cooper? Anyways, he knows for a fact he didn't use performance-enhancing drugs. He does say that he does have a secret, but it hasn't been revealed to us yet. Same deal, the detectives are, like, thinking they're all involved in Simon's death. Cooper's like, I've never even talked to Nate before this day, and I definitely did not conspire with the girls. Cooper asks if they looked for fingerprints on the planted phones in their backpack, because someone's clearly framing all them. The officer is like, we're convinced it was you four, and that's the direction we'll continue in because we're narrow-minded. And Cooper says he wants to call his dad. So his dad's like screaming at the detective over the phone and demands that Cooper comes home. Cooper's told not to talk to the police without him or a lawyer present. Cooper goes to leave. Whatever, whatever. The officer, same as the one who talked to Addie, is like, one of you will tell us what happened and they'll be treated differently. I was hoping that person would be you. Like whatever, manipulative police tactic, whatever. Chapter 8, Bronwyn, Sunday, September 30th, 3.07 p.m. Bronwyn's parents were with her at the funeral, so they were there at the police station, and they didn't let her answer any questions and were furious at the police on the drive home. Her mom says she can't fathom how anyone could think Bronwyn would kill a boy because he was about to post a lie, and Bronwyn breaks down and tells them it wasn't a lie. She explains what happened, page 90. So she's like, I cheated... And the words tumbled out of me how I used a computer in the lab right after Mr. Camino and realized he hadn't logged off his Google Drive. A file with all our chemistry test questions for the rest of the year was right there. I downloaded it onto a flash drive almost without thinking about it, and I used it to get perfect scores the rest of the year. Gotta at least miss, like, one answer to make it not suspicious, girl. So anyways, her parents are disappointed, clearly, because they believe in hard work and honesty. Even worse, this gives Bronwyn motive. They don't think she killed Simon, but they do think it'll make it harder, like, in this police investigation. And they ask if Simon had proof of any of this, and Bronwyn doesn't know. So Bronwyn says to us, like, her sister likes to hack things for fun and could have stolen the tests and stuff or changed her grade. So, but, like, she didn't have her sister do that. Like, the cheating wasn't premeditated. It was just right in front of her. That's not going to hold up in court. So she also wonders why Simon waited so long to make the post since she took the files back in March. Bronwyn's parents ask if there's anything else she needs to tell them. She thinks back to the detective's questions. Were you competitive with Simon? Have you ever been to his house? Do you know he was writing a post about you? Did you have any reason beyond this to dislike or resent Simon? 
Bronwyn answered no, but wondered if her parents noticed that she was lying. Nate, Sunday, September 30th, 5.15 p.m. Officer Lopez stayed with Nate during the interview, and they were going to search his house for drugs, but he already hid them in the shed next door, so he's, like, good to go. She drops Nate off, and she says, like, all the other kids have rich, affluent parents or whatever. Basically, you'll be the scapegoat for all this since you're the odd man out. So Queen Boss Officer Lopez says, I'm not going to ask you about what Simon wrote. If you sell drugs from this point on, I can't help you. And this is a big deal and everyone else will be sure you go down for everything. And I want to like help you out with this. So Nate gets home. His dad's passed out and had thrown up and Nate cleans it up, but is like beyond angry at everything and starts kicking this cabinet until it breaks. And he wonders what coming home to a house like Bronwyn's would be like. So then Nate gets on his motorcycle and drives for an hour and he winds up back at Bronwyn's house. This time her dad comes out and he's basically like, you can't be here. He's not mean. He's just like super direct. We don't want any more trouble from the police. So Nate leaves. Chapter 9, Addie. Sunday, September 30th, 5.30 p.m. This is the end. Here we go. So, side note before we get into this. Addie mentions that Ashton lives in a tiny apartment because her husband has a year's worth of law school debt and Ashton's graphic design business hasn't taken off. And Charlie, that's the husband, decided to make nature documentaries instead of being a lawyer. So this is like basically to show like how dysfunctional the family is and that like Addie has a chance to not repeat the mistakes of her mom and her sister. By the way, this whole time they can't get a hold of the mom. So Ashton suggests that Addie tells Jake the truth before he finds out from the police or someone else. So Ash drives Addie to his house and says she'll wait down the street at like some coffee shop. So, okay. So basically Addie just goes for it and tells Jake what happened. And to us, she says the best reason she came up for why she slept with TJ was because she was insecure. Yeah, that's not a great reason. It's because your boyfriend's like borderline abusive. So anyways, Jake freaks out, obviously. I'll give him that much. But he starts punching a wall and he like punches a hole in the wall and has a bleeding hand. Uh, You in danger, girl. Like I would be gone so fast if someone started punching a wall like that in front of me over something I did. Like, bye. So, for the record, cheating is wrong, but Jake is a freaking nightmare in general, so it's hard to sympathize with this manipulative, emotional, abusive guy. Abuse? Worse than cheating. Sorry, not sorry. Don't do either, please and thank you. So, instead of, like, super recapping everything, we're just gonna hit on Jake's greatest hits of nasty, unnecessary things to say while in a rage, plus my snarky commentary. So he, at one point, is like, what the hell is wrong with you? I treat you like a queen. Did you, though? By queen, do you mean controlling her every move because she has some sort of unreasonable standard to uphold? You let me hang out with a guy who's laughing his ass off behind my back while you jump out of his bed into mine like nothing happened. Uh, be mad at your friend, then. He didn't have to be your friend. And how would she be able to control that, or anything for that matter, because she doesn't dictate anything in your life? Then he says, look at me, you effing owe me that. Excuse me, sir, she owes you nothing. You ruined everything, you know that, right? I'm pretty sure she knows that, my dude. That's why she's crying at your house. Get out, I can't stand the sight of you. Well, I can't stand your threatening physical overreaction, Jake. So Addie leaves, and she's like ready to walk to her sister because she doesn't want to wait in his driveway for her to pick her up. Her sister's already waiting there, and she's like, I thought this might be how things go. Ash tells Addie their mom's waiting for them, who failed to answer her phone all up until this point. End of part one. Lyrian questions, which isn't in here, but like, 
why are the police not looking at the teachers? Because clearly they had access to, like, everything the students did. Okay, so my next question, why are most of the parents freaking nightmares? And the police officers, for that matter. What is Cooper's secret? Obviously, he's cheating on his girlfriend, but Addie cheated too, and that wasn't made as such a big deal. I know, obviously, so I'm not gonna, like, get into it, but I did figure this one out the first time I read it. Who killed Simon? No spoilers, but at this point, I would say, like, my thought process would be Bronwyn seems like the only possible of the four, right? Like, Nate is way, way, way too obvious and has the least motive. Cooper technically has no motive, and he's adorable, and I refuse to believe he did it. And Addie is obviously not a mastermind capable of something like this. And then we also have like the weird friend of Simon's and the girl that attempted suicide, Leah. So it's a mystery and I will not be spoiling it. So let me know what you think. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the Jolly Reader Podcast. So in closing, thank you for listening. Subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes are posted. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review because it helps other crewmates find this podcast. Share with your people and talk about some theories because I won't be doing that this book. If you like secondhand embarrassment, stay tuned for the outtakes, and I will talk to you next time for part two of One of Us is Lying. Until we sail again, this has been the Jolly Reader. Bon voyage. Hey, you made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Testing. Hope I can get this recording done before my daughter's doctor's appointment. Life has been crazy, and that's pretty much what I say every single time, isn't it, that I record. Okay, let's check it. Sorry for the extra week off. Moving was extensive. Oh, jeez, I just started. 30 seconds in, my husband's calling me. Pause. Okay, anyways, it was about my daughter's doctor's appointment. Okay. Okay, sorry. Cooper runs to the nurse. Nate, Monday. Wow, my voice is like. So Bronwyn goes to homecoming and homecoming. No, she does not. Our favorite stoner, dumber, dumber. No. Bronwyn's home and teacher home. Why can't I say that? Whatever. My dog sneezed. Apache. Apache, stop making your your collar jingle. Thank you, sir. So as she's talking to all my dogs are sneezing. Holy moly. I wish I could talk. I keep stuttering. Editing's gonna be a nightmare. Okay. Sunshine? Sunny's growling at me. I am Allie. And you were with me to my mom.